excited about what the new year holds for us and, and excited to be able to share my heart with you this morning. Um, you know, several weeks ago, my pastor and I were talking. We talk about every Wednesday um, when our schedule permits, which is most Wednesdays, and just to kind of keep in touch. And, and he said, hey, why don't we, and Pastor Deota out of Phelan, just kind of do a sermon series on Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. We won't use each other's sermons, but we'll just bounce each other ideas and maybe resources, pictures, those kind of, let's come up with a name. When he went with the name, I came up with AKA Jesus and, uh, you know, because he's known by many names, but he's always known as Jesus. And, and so I said, okay, cool. Uh, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. That'll be a good sermon series for Christmas. And, and I'm excited about that. Uh, and then I started thinking, well, we have Rod Carlson coming to visit uh, the second week of December. So that's going to throw me off my game a little bit. And that means I'm going to be speaking about Christmas after Christmas, the Prince of Peace. But there were some things that happened prior to that that I want to share with you in a minute that really, do you know that God's in charge? I mean, he orchestrates all things. I try to put plans together and he kind of comes in and supersedes those. And they make so much more sense when he does it than when I do. I love that about God. He's, he's so good like that. He, he, he trumps we always put a service order together. I, I got one right here. It looks like this just about every Sunday. Here's, here's what we put together. Um, how often do we stick to that? Not very, right? Um, so, but there it is, Lord. That's your service plan. Do with it what you will. Um, but I really believe, and, and, and I want to be very careful saying this because uh, the Bible is very clear about a man standing in the pulpit or in front of people and proclaiming himself to be a prophet. I don't know. I don't claim to be a prophet. I do claim to be a man of God, and I do, I do hold office as, as the pastor of this church, my wife and I. And so I was seeking God weeks ago. As a matter of fact, um, I know there's a couple visitors here, and I normally don't even share this kind of intimate stuff about, about myself because fasting is, is an intimate thing unless it's a corporate fast like we've, we've called the church to. Uh, but it's, it's, it's relevant that I share with you what God has put in my heart and what he took me through. Around my birthday time, uh, he spoke to me that I was going to do a 40-day fast. So right after my birthday, I started a 40-day. It wasn't a Daniel fast. It was a full liquid-only fast um, that I participated in. And during that season, and the reason I did that is because I was seeking God for our church. What does 2016 look like for Grapevine Fellowship? What is it? What is the mantra, if you will. What is, the, what is the emphasis? What is the call? What is the anointing going to look like over Grapevine Fellowship this year? What are you going to do amongst your people and in the body? Last year, he called us, and he told us it was a year of jubilee. And, and myself and my family, we actually experienced that for many of the months of 2015. We had some struggle times, don't get me wrong, but there's still, don't you know, jubilee doesn't just tie to finances. It ties to your spirit, and we've been jubilous all year long and, and, and grateful. But it was a corporate fast that we were called to, and we saw God multiply this body. Uh, Ron shows up, and nobody's here. What would you do, Ron? <laughs> Usually this place is packed on both services, but no, that's okay. I, I'm just teasing about that. But he multiplied this body. He brought resources. We went through an entire year with an increased budget that everyone said, that doesn't make sense. Yeah, but that's what God said. And we only experienced a little bit of red ink for a two-week period in October, and God has already made up that deficit. 
That's Jubilee, family. That's Jubilee. And God has put something in my heart that I want to share to you, share with you that ties to this topic of Prince of Peace. So let me pray before I go any further. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you have stirred our hearts this morning through your worship. Thank you that, that we are together under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And I pray, God, one more time today that you would anoint these lips. Help me to teach the Word of God. Help me to, to share my heart. No, no, no. Help me to share your heart, God, with your people. And I pray that our ears would be open to receive what the Holy Spirit has to say to us. In Jesus' name, amen. So we have been reading this text for the last several weeks uh, as our text for this sermon series, a.k.a. Jesus. So one more time, let's read this together, can we? For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. I love that. I love that we've got to spend some time talking about the names of Jesus. So here we are today, and we're going to be talking about the peace, the Prince of Peace. Now, the Hebrew word for, for peace is shalom, shalom. I'm not Hebrew, so I can't say it too well, but it's shalom. And, and, and I love this word because when I was doing some research on this, on this topic, I'm reading different commentaries, and everyone's saying peace means shalom. Great, but what the heck does that mean? Because peace is just more than a word. Peace is, has a meaning. There's some, some depth to peace. And, and there wasn't a lot of commentaries, uh, comment, commentators out there uh, identifying this word as well as I, I kind of have a sense of what it means. But I did find this definition that I really want to read to you that I think talks about peace as a whole. Shalom, shalom, shal, shal, I'm okay. It's all good. It means completeness, wholeness, health, welfare, safety, soundness, tranquility, prosperity, perfectness, fullness, rest, harmony, and the absence of agitation or discord. That's shalom. That's peace. That's what I want to talk to you today about as, as I set the table for what 2016 looks like. Because during that 40-day fast, what God spoke to my spirit was that Grapevine was going to enter a season of peace in 2016. And I just saw this big, just me releasing that over you, I saw this big sigh of relief in several of your eyes because 2015 has been a lot of things, but I don't know if peace would be one thing that we'd be quick to label it as. And so God spoke. I didn't buy a banner for $129 for a Sunday service. We don't, we don't got it like that yet. But I bought a banner, banner because this banner is going to be in our face for the next 52 weeks of this year. Because we are going to experience a season of peace at Grapevine Fellowship. I believe that. I believe that. God has used me in releasing words and gifts of knowledge and even in the prophetic over the years. But I believe during the 40-day fast, God spoke to me one word, peace. Peace. Peace that passes all understanding. That's what we need. That's what we need as a family. Duke University did a study on the peace of mind. 
there are factors that they say contribute to having a peace of mind. Now, this is a secular university. It has some Christian roots, but it's a secular university. Listen to what they said. It contributes to having a peaceful state of mind. And see if you can identify in your thoughts scripture that might tie to these. The absence of suspicion and resentment. Nursing a grudge is a major factor of unhappiness and unpeacefulness. Not living in the past. An unwholesome preoccupation with our past failures and mistakes leads to depression. That's what they found out in their study. Number three, not wasting time and energy fighting things you cannot change. That is the definition of insanity. Cooperation with life instead of trying to run away from it is what they said. Number four, not staying involved in the real world. Now listen, I'm not saying you are in the world, you're of the world any longer. You're no longer of the world, but we're still here. And running away, becoming a recluse, and, and ignoring the world, and pretending like it doesn't exist doesn't get us anywhere. Matter of fact, it doesn't bring peace into our life because the, the world isn't going anywhere. We're still here, family. And we learn to cope and we learn how to deal with it. Number five, refusing to indulge in self-pity when life gets hard. Accept the fact that nobody gets through life without sorrow and adversity. It happens. It rains on the just and the unjust. Number six, I love this. This is what they said. Cultivate virtues of love, humor, compassion, and loyalty. Hmm. Something in that. Number seven, they said don't expect too much of yourself, Ron Wilson. Though they didn't put Ron Wilson in there, but they could have. Where there is a wide gap between self-expectation and your ability to meet the goals you have set, feeling of inadequacy are inevitable. You want to know why a lot of people fail their New Year's resolution? Because they set themselves up from the beginning. I'm going to lose 600 pounds this year. <laughs> okay. I guess if you weigh yourself in the morning, you're usually a couple pounds lighter. Then you eat yourself back up and then weigh yourself in the morning. You might get there, right? But we need to set expectations that, that are reasonable. If you want to lose 20 pounds this year, start with five. And when you hit that in a month or two, you'll be, you'll be excited and propelled to set five more as a goal, right? right? Number eight, I love this. This is what Duke University said about peace. Find something bigger than yourself to believe in. Now, as Christians, we know what that is. The problem with the world is they don't quite have an understanding. But Isaiah tells us that Jesus would come and he would be our Prince of Peace. I love that. He's our Prince of Peace. He's where we're going to find our peace. And as I was looking at this title this week about Jesus, I was just asking myself, what does it mean? What does it mean to have the peace and for Jesus to, to be called Prince of Peace. And I, and I think this, I believe this, that Jesus gets this title because of what he did while he was on earth and what he's still doing today in our lives. He gets to carry that title. So Prince of Peace, it's not just a title, but it's a description. And now, because I'm a preacher, I had to come up with something, either four points or, a, or an acrostic. So we did an acrostic today. And I'm kind of excited about this. But the P in peace is the pardoning of sin. Yeah. 
The first thing Jesus did for our lives to bring peace into our lives is to, to, be, to find a way to give us, to offer us salvation, to, to give us a way of escape through our sin, to open a door that we could be forgiven of our past. That's a whole lot of peace. The Bible says that at one time we were all alienated, separated, and enemies of God. Matter of fact, let's read this together. Colossians chapter 1. Verse 19 through 21, it says, For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell, and by him to reconcile all things to himself, by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made what? Peace through the blood of his cross. And you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled. He has reconciled all things unto himself. I'm a thing that has been reconciled unto God. There was no way for us to have a relationship with God before Jesus because of our sin. Perfect was too high of an expectation. Perfect was too high of a goal. We would never be able to achieve it. The Bible says that all sin and fall short of the glory of God. And the price of sin is high because it, it costs blood. That's why we have animal sacrifices in the Old Testament. Us New Testament people, we call that a good old-fashioned barbecue. Amen? But God had a plan to offer salvation. He had a plan to, to, to redeem his people, to, to clean the slate, if you will, for everyone who would accept this plan. I love that. And he did that through Jesus Christ on the cross. That's how he accomplished the goal. The blood spilled on Calvary was the blood that covers all of our sins. It's what washes us white as snow. It's what, it's what makes us clean. We were talking the other day in the car on the way home, and Ashlyn was saying some stuff. I don't even remember exactly what she was saying, but, but I just said, because we are talking about our inside, and I said, I'm white. And why does the, and she said, why does dad always have to be the deep one? <laughs> I just got lucky that time, I guess. The E in peace, it stands for everlasting promises. See, we talked about this when we talked about God as our everlasting father last week. But a promise from God is a statement that we can depend on with absolute confidence. You can bank on it. Those are good odds that the promises in this book are never-ending and they never run out. As a matter of fact, in 2 Corinthians, it says that all the promises of God are yes and amen. They're good for you. Tell your neighbor, the promises are for you. The problem with us, the reason we don't have peace in our life because we don't believe these promises are for us. We believe for, they're for the pastor, they're for the, for the worship team, they're, they're for, for Joe Blow, Sister Susie Q, who's been in the church for 9 million years. No, if you gave your life to Jesus today, the promises are all for you. Yeah. They're for a lottie dotty everybody. Yeah. Amen? Amen? For you too, Kevin. Amen. So the Bible is full of promises. Let me, let me just give you a few. I, I wish I would have put these in your bulletin, but maybe you can jot a few of these down because I, I'm telling you, if, you've not, if you're not a note taker, I'm not much of a note taker, but if I was in this service today, I would be taking notes and I'd be putting it somewhere that I could reflect back because this is not the first time this year we're going to talk about peace. We're setting the pace 
for peace this year. We're going to be talking about peace. It's going to come up. It's going to be in our face every Sunday, every Wednesday, whatever service, whenever you find yourself in the sanctuary, you're going to be reminded that God has spoken a season of peace over your life. Amen? And there's promises that, that God has given us that provide peace. Number one, God's presence. He says, I will never leave you. God's protection, he says, I am your shield. He says, I am the rock of your salvation. God's power, he says, I will strengthen you. I will cover you. I will fight for you. I love that. God's provision, he says, I will help you in times of trouble. God's leading, he says, follow me. We don't have to try to figure this thing out on our own. He says, follow me. How do you do that? You do that. You do that right here. You figure out where he's going, and you follow along, amen? And if that's tough for you, you know how I had to do it at first when I first got saved? Because that was like, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. I followed my pastor for a while. First season. And when he made mistakes, he'd say, hey, I messed that one up. But guess what? I'm still human. Now follow Jesus for a while and see what happens. But that's why God gave us a family, that we can, we can look at people and say, man, I want what that person has. There's something about mentors and, 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 and iron sharpening iron, men's and women's Bible studies, that we can come together and we can be authentic and be real. Why do we come to the church and put on masks and be, try to be people we're not? Why, why do we, this is where we should come and be real. And, and, and just Because God already knows how messed up we are. Another promise is, is, his, is God's purposes, his purposes. And Jeremiah 29, 11, my favorite verse. It's on our billboard. It's on our sign out front because it's, it's just what speaks to my spirit about Grapevine. He says, I know the plans that I have for you, Grapevine Fellowship. Plans to prosper you, plans to, not to harm you, but to give you a hope and a future. Plans to bring you peace. I love that. He promises rest as well. Come to me, all ye who are... Weary and heavy laden, and I will give you. Anybody feel weary at times? <sighs> Man, sometimes we just need to take a big, deep breath. <laughs> just like that. <laughs> he, pro- he promises us cleansing. He says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all Catch that word? All unrighteousness. Another problem with us, why we don't have peace, is we don't feel like we've been forgiven everything. feel like there's still some stuff we're holding on to. This one, he won't ever forgive me of that one. It's too big for him. Man, there's nothing too big for God. There is nothing too big for God. God's goodness. No good thing will he withhold from them that work uprightly. Psalms chapter 84. I love that. God's faithfulness, he says, I won't forsake my people his, for his great namesake. You know why he won't forsake you? Because his name is great. He can't because his name is great. And I won't, I won't forsake you because my name is great. If I forsake you, my name won't be so great, God says. Amen. That's a cool promise. I love that promise. Lastly, God, God has a wise plan. We already know about Jeremiah 29, but he says, I'll work all things together for the good of those who love. You're going to love this next one. Remember, I had to build an acrostic, but this, this, A, agitate our apathy. You remember a few weeks ago, we talked about hate is not the opposite of love. 
apathy is. Being apathetic towards someone. So, so, so Jesus came to, to, put, to agitate our apathy. In other words, to poke sticks where we're apathetic. That's why the Holy Spirit's here, to nudge you where you have no feeling, where you have no, where you have no love, where you have... You, the Bible says to love who? Enemies, neighbors, everybody. Matthew chapter 10, verse 34 says, Do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. Say what, Pastor Ron? You just told me that he came to bring peace. He's the Prince of Peace. Now you're telling me that he didn't come to bring peace, but he came to bring a sword. I'm confused. <laughs> so was I when I was checking this out. But, but here's the thing. Number one, application, he didn't come to bring peace to the world. He's not bringing peace to the world. He's bringing a sword when he returns. Because he, he's, 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 he's a little bit upset about the way things are going right now. And, and he's going to come and he's going to drop the hammer. But, but, but I'm thinking about this verse. And I'm thinking about how do I apply this to myself personally in a, in a personal application as, a, as, it, as it applies to peace in my life. What, what is this saying to me? What are you trying to tell me, Jesus? And he says, he says this. He, said that he, he told the disciples that I'm going to be in your lives because I'm drawing you to a place of holiness. I'm going to begin to agitate you. I'm going to poke you where you're apathetic because I want you to be holy. I want you to be more like me. And there's areas of your life where you're apathetic, where you're lethargic, where you don't have love like you should. Huh? Amen. Not you, me. Just trying to get a witness. Right? Like driving down Charleston on a Friday afternoon. Four o'clock, okay, let's be specific, huh, Pastor Sue? <laughs> Listen, Jesus is always urging us and stirring us and, and, and I don't want to say pushing because he's not pushy, but calling us to a place of holiness. That's how we become like him. It requires that we take up our cross and we follow him. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. I, I didn't say it. He said it. So if, if we don't start poking ourselves, allowing the Holy Spirit to convict us where we're apathetic, here's what I believe, family. We'll never have true peace. You, you can't because resentments build when you're apathetic towards situations, towards a people group, towards anything. It stirs the emotion of anger, and where anger is, there's no peace there. That doesn't sound very peaceful to me, but I want you to know this. If you're a Christian in this place, if you're not, I'm not trying to scare you off, but I'll tell you this, Christianity is hard work. It, it requires work. It requires, it requires focus. The easy way out was doping it up. Because I just followed my flesh, and that's easy, because your flesh feels good when you do that stuff. But to follow the Spirit, your, your, your Spirit's willing, but the flesh is having a hard time with that. I, I, and so, have you ever heard someone say that Christians are wimps? I've heard that. I, I've actually heard that. I've had conversations with people who say, oh, that's just a wimpy way out. <laughs> Give it a try. Third. Try it for 30 days, and I'll, I'll gladly refund your misery. You know what I'm saying? 
Many times for us, peace would be God just leaving us alone, so we think. A lot of people think peace is just being able to sit in their pew and be left alone. But that's not why Jesus came. Jesus came to agitate our apathy. Jesus came to point the way to holiness. Jesus came to show us how to live a life of holiness and, and to live a life for him and to live a life that's full. It, it's not complacent faith that Jesus is looking for. It, it, it's active faith. As a matter of fact, the, the Bible says that faith without works is what? It's dead. He's looking for us to be involved, and, and, and we don't activate our faith if we just sit around doing nothing. Look, this is not a sermon to drum up support and volunteers at Grapevine. We could always use more volunteers, but you serve where God's called you to serve. Be active in your faith. Do something. My pastor used to always say, get off your to-do-nothing and do something. <laughs> right? Get off your southern hemisphere. Let some light shine there for a little while while you're serving the Lord. Amen? Yeah. And for you missionaries, don't let the door hit you where the good Lord split you. Come on, somebody. Right? On your way out. Yeah, there you go. Listen to Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. Let, let's read this together. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body. And be what? Be thankful. Let the peace of God rule in your heart. Man, are there areas of your heart that you haven't allowed God into? Are there areas of, of your heart that you're not letting Him be ruler over? Are there things you're hiding from? You can't hide from God. You can hide it from us, you can hide it from your family, you can hide it, but you can't hide it from God. And this verse says that to let the peace of God rule your heart. Let it take possession of your heart and be thankful. Let her see. Completeness. See, you were trying to guess ahead, weren't you? John 15, 11 says, These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. A lot of times when I think about peace, look, even behind there, we didn't set that up that way, but on the soundboard it says joy and peace, and they really can be synonymous many times. I don't know that you can have true joy without having true peace in your life. I don't know that you can have true peace in your life without having true joy, and neither one of those are emotions. We think it's a feel-good thing. It does feel good to have joy. Yes, it does. We watched Tim Hopkins last, last Wednesday night, and I promise you, some people wet themselves. They laugh so hard. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure that happened in here. And that's joy, but that's not the kind of joy we're talking about. We're talking about the kind of joy that passes understanding, the kind of peace that passes understanding. That doesn't make any sense. People look at you when you're going through a trial, and you've got a real genuine smile on your face, and it's not some phony, fake thing. It's real, and people say, what makes you so happy, Stu? He gets it all the time. It's because it's the joy of the Lord, because I have peace in my life, because Jesus Christ is ruler of my life. He completes me. My wife, as much as I love her, she does not complete, complete me. My, my, my children, as much as I want to be my son and rock out like that kid, he doesn't complete me. Jesus Christ completes me. Jesus came so that our joy may be made full and that our peace would be complete. Amen? John 17, 23. Uh, I'm going somewhere. He says, I and them and you and me, that they may be made perfect in one. 
that, they, that the world may know that you have sent me and they have, that you love them as you have loved me. This prayer of Jesus, is, is, is he's telling the believers that we need to be in unity together. He's building a case for the body of Christ. He's saying, look, you and I complete each other. We're the body of Christ. The scriptures say, uh, you know, the arm's not too much good without the hand or the hand or whatever, you know, the eye. You know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Try paraphrasing when you're preaching like this. It's just not the easiest thing in the world to do. But we complete each other. I, I, I love the Word of God. I, I love to pray in my prayer closet. But I'll be honest with you. When I come to the house of God and I'm with you, and even as Pastor Ron said, when he came up and, and the atmosphere was filled with worship, there's nothing like that. There is nothing like that. That's where I get filled to overflowing when I'm with my family when I'm with the people that God had called me to be with. You're my family. You're my family. You matter to me. You matter to God. You need to understand that. That's where peace comes from. Having, having koinonia and fellowship with one another, true, authentic, where when you do something, it doesn't hurt me. You make a mistake, it doesn't, it doesn't offend me. It doesn't matter. We're in this together. We love each other. Everything Jesus did in his lifetime was to completion. He didn't do anything halfway. Every time that Jesus went to heal somebody, they were completely healed. Every time Jesus went to feed the thousands, they went away full. It wasn't a snack. It was a meal. Matter of fact, it was stuff that I can't eat starting next Sunday, fish and bread. <laughs> Not approved on the Daniel fast. Every time that Jesus calmed the storm, it was completely stalm, calm. Jesus, as the Prince of Peace, brought completeness to our world. And every person, listen, every person born in this world has a spiritual part of themselves that, that's drawn to be fed and nurtured by God. I do not believe in atheism. I used to think I was an atheist until I met Jesus in that place that I ached so, so much for, that, that place that was so empty in my life was finally filled. Now, I'm not going to stand in front of an atheist and tell him you can't be an atheist because that's just an argument you can't win unless the Holy Spirit draws him. But I do believe that there is no such thing as an atheist because every person is born and created by the Maker. And every person that was born and created by the Maker has this innate, innate desire, whether they'll embrace it or not, to have Jesus living in their life. What drew you in? I came for the donut. Well, praise God. <laughs> if that's what got you here, I'll, I'm glad about that. Has anybody here got saved by the donut? Did you? <sighs> that was a rhetorical question. I did not think I would get a yes on that. I do want to apologize now because for the next three weeks, we won't have the donuts out there. Even, even if, uh, hey, you know, we're calling a corporate fast. It would be irresponsible of me to have donuts out there. What we will do is we'll put fruits and things out there, okay? I always bring my apple anyway, so we'll do that to have something out there. And, and uh, I, I do hope that you'll participate with us. Yes, that is fruit. That is, you've got to have grapes at Grapevine, right? Can I finish this now? I'm, you know, it's time for lunch. The, the Baptists are getting out and getting over to the restaurants already, and I'm not done yet. I'm almost done, though. 
See, but God made us that way. Jesus. I'm going to leave that alone. Listen, Jesus made us that way with that innate desire. Nothing else will complete us. Many of us have tried in, in many different avenues. We're a recovery church. Many of you have been in or, or still are in recovery, and so you know what I'm saying. Nothing fills that void. Nothing fills that spiritual need. No person, no thing, no TV show, no movie, no, no amount of money, no job, no raise. Nothing can fill it but Jesus. And I love John. It's wrong in your notes, so, so make the correction. John 14, 27 he says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let your heart not be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Amen. Lastly, and Mike, if you'd come up, Jesus embodied the standard. Jesus set the standard. He is the standard. I heard a story I haven't told it here, but it's been around for a while. There was a man who every morning on his way to work would stop at the local watch shop, and he would set his watch by the big clock in the window. And One day, he was heading out to work, and as he approached, the owner of the store was out front, and he said, hey, I noticed that every morning you, you set your watch by my clock. What do you do for a living that requires such precise timing? He says, well, I'm the, I'm the timekeeper at the factory down the street, and at 5 o'clock it's my responsibility to blow the 5 o'clock whistle. And he said, wait a minute. I set this clock to your whistle. <laughs> That's funny, but my question to you this morning is, what do you set your clock to? What have you set your spiritual clocks to? Is it to the buzz that's going around? Is it to every, every new thing that comes through the wind? Or is it to the Word of God? Psalm 119, verse 165 says this. Great peace have those who love your law. And nothing causes them to stumble. This is what we should set our eternal clock to, the Word of God. Jesus is the standard. When I was wrapping this up last night, formatting it for this morning, the Lord just started speaking to me. And I mentioned earlier that even though Jesus brought a sword, he also brought shalom to all who would embrace his gospel. To the women, woman who bled for 12 years, he said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. And my question this morning is, if you've been sick and believing God for a miracle, then I want you to stand to your feet. The woman who washes feet with her tears, he said to her, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. And I'd like to ask, if you have been dealing with great sadness, 
and lowliness and you're not already standing, would you please stand to your feet? To the disciples who doubted, he said, peace be with you. Stop doubting and believe. And to those of you who are still sitting, if you have been walking through this place and, and dealing with doubt and despair and dealing with feels of inadequacy and insecurity, then would you stand to your feet? And to his disciples before he died, he said, my peace I give to you. And my last call to you today is as we close out 2015, I wonder how many of you would be bold enough to say that peace is something you need this year. If that's you, would you stand to your feet? Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for the season you're about to bring us into, Lord. A season of peace. And Lord, I pray for those who stood this morning who are sick, who need a touch, who need Jesus to speak to their life. By your stripes, we are healed. To those who have been feeling inadequate, who feel less than, who feel like they don't matter, Lord, I pray right now in Jesus' name that they would sense your love, that you would remind them that you died for them, Lord, that you went to the cross for them. And you love them more than the birds of the air and the, the lilies in the field. Your desire is to draw them close to yourself today. God, we speak perfect peace right now in this room. Where there are storms, Jesus speaks, peace be still. Where there is sickness, Jesus says, be made whole. Where there is chaos and dissension, Jesus says, I came to bring love. I came to be, bring joy. I came to bring hope. There's one more verse I'd like to read over you as we close. And I believe this is a verse that God is going to bring to us many, many Sundays this year. It's in Numbers chapter 6, verses 24, 25, and 26. It says, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. We want you to know that we love you here, and we're praying for you. And as we enter this year, I'm believing God for the best year yet, a year of increase, a year of increase in our peace. Amen?
God good? Yes. Listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dismiss the church, but if you need prayer, we're going to be down here for a few minutes, and we'd love to pray with you.